All right, we're back with a new episode of Real in the Field, and today we interview our good friend Chris Hurd. We grew up with Chris and played high school football together, and then he went on to become an actor. Yeah, we get his story on how he went to school out in New York, how he learned how to become an actor, how he honed his skill, and did some off-Broadway stuff out there. And then Chris and I play a fun game of Rotten Tomatoes, where we try to guess famous movies scores on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, and then uh, he's here to promote his movie, Hirsch, uh, which is going to be out in some festivals. So sit back, enjoy the episode. If you like what you hear, like and subscribe and enjoy the show. Field. We are back with a new episode, and we have a special guest, Christopher Hurd, the actor, the writer, the friend, friend of the show, the best man at my wedding, Christopher Hurd is here. Thank you for being here. Oh my God, I am so happy to be here. You have no idea. I have been a fan of the pod ever since its origin. And I'll just, let me start off at the top saying, I'm so proud of you guys. And this is, I'm like almost choked up already. Oh, this is really cool. You. I'm super proud of you guys. Thank, like, you. thank you. You guys well, are super consistent it. about it. Yeah. It's like consistently good um, and fun and informative. And I knew this guy had it in him because <laughs> he's like been training to be on a podcast for every phone conversation Listen, that we've had over I, like the I last 10 talk. years. Yes, yes, thank you. Yeah, all I do is talk and I just needed a microphone to record it so I could put it exactly. out for You've other people to hear. Training <laughs> for this with me. I'm like, okay, bro. But I didn't know you had it in oh, you, man. Come on. I'm super impressed. Come on. I'm really impressed, Joe. Right. Right. I love it. I love your delivery. I love your games. Oh, wow. thank you. He's got some good games. Yeah, thank he comes you. up Appreciate with some it. good stuff. Appreciate it. Yeah. But yeah, and you have been listening, and we talk about the episodes after pretty much uh, everyone, and we go through and we break down the game film and talk about what we did and how we did it. We get some good feedback from you, so thank you for listening and supporting. My, and my pleasure. Can we talk about the fact that I came up with the better title for this podcast? All right, or a well, name? arguably, arguably, uh, I'm sorry. Well, okay, I just feel like the listeners should hear this <laughs> or be allowed to choose for themselves. Real in the Field is great. Do you want to, do you want to tell them what it was? By all means, you are our guest, so go ahead I and I thought about it. it for a minute. You guys said, my podcast is about football. It's about real estate. Right. I played Got It with myself, right? Right, okay. Football, real estate. Football, real estate. Home field advantage. Yeah, it's good. Yeah, it's nah, good. You know, it got shot you, down right away. I will say, just if uh, you want to change it now, I won't even take this. The pot logo, committed. the logo has been made. Uh, I think we're having shirts made. Yeah. like the order is in. All so right. <laughs> yeah. I'll, no, I'll turn, get my no deposit back. back on that one. That's fine. I'll take three shirts. Regardless. <laughs> well, again, thank you for being a supporter and listening. And it, you know, the show wouldn't be the same without you. With all the feedback that we get, so thank you. Uh, so Chris is, uh, we played, all three of us played high school football together. We've been on the same field. We've uh, had the same uniforms. We've had, you know, we go back. So um, what, you know, your position, tell us a little bit about what your position was back at El Medina. Uh, what, what was your, what'd you do? What was your position? I played wide receiver okay. um, alongside you. Right. I played, well. I played outside linebacker. That was my <laughs> defensive position, but I didn't actually play yeah. that. Yeah, um, it was on the. It was on maybe it the, was, the roster. It was like listed in the program, but it was like that guy doesn't play outside <laughs> linebacker. He, does, he sits on the bench when they're on defense. Um, but yeah, 
four all four years right yep yeah yeah, yeah. Um, freshman year that's uh yeah met on that uh, on that field and uh is that just, when you guys first met yeah so, tony and i first met yes in like uh camp of like going into yeah. freshman year that's yeah. when i met both of you yeah. yeah i'll just quickly say my first impression of you was like because i didn't know you. i was like we had lockers next to each other do you remember that like you were like a like a couple lockers down for me, and I just remember seeing you for the first time, and being like, "That guy's not a freshman. Like, that is a twenty five year old man. Coach. Like, that guy why, is yeah, why is the coach in here changing with us? This is fucking crazy." Um, and it just stuck ever since. Like you've just been like, I don't know when you turned into a man, but you've always been a man to me. Oh, it's, it was wild. Yeah, seven or eight, I think, is when that beard started coming yeah. in a little thick. Just, just coughed too hard and it popped out. Huh? But this guy, do you remember when we sang him the birthday song in camp? No, it was it was freshman year. Yeah, camp. It was freshman year, yeah. and somehow everybody knew it was your birthday because i came from you guys private have the same birthday well dude it's okay so i came from private school and no one knew me and i show up to camp and i'm like all right like trying to make friends trying to get on the team yeah. whatever but you guys all knew him and it was like it was his birthday july 16th and so i think it was like one Spoon. of you guys went to Spoonmore. yeah spooty yeah Coach and was, we're like we're gonna play this joke on on we called him chewy then yeah and he was like all right so i'm gonna blow the whistle for gassers and everyone's oh, gonna not I'm run right, except for right, him yes. and so he blows the whistle he runs out there and everyone's singing happy so birthday confused. to him i was so confused because he did it three times right it was like all right everybody line up we're doing gassers blew the whistle it was like on one blows the whistle i go and i'm like wait why i it was on one like why is nobody going <laughs> spoonie's like get back there chewy what are you doing i'm like <laughs> okay let's get and then it's like all right we're going on two now goes on two i go nobody else goes and like i'm standing out there like what is going on and everyone starts singing happy birthday i do remember that to, to which then i start singing happy birthday to him <laughs> well nobody knows it's also my birthday and i was like <laughs> but then i think later on it was like i must have told you like hey man it's my birthday too or yeah. something like that yeah and we've just been friends ever since yeah. friends ever since yeah it was cemented in there uh so chris looking back at that time football high school what's your favorite memory or what's something that pops up something that pops up is a little embarrassing but also makes me kind of proud um it was it's actually a practice memory we were uh, in season playing seven on seven and I'm out there playing against first team defense you and all the other studs uh, I'm on scout team and I do like a drag like over the middle yeah and whoever was playing quarterback I won't name him just <laughs> left me out uh, hung to, to just, uh, just hung me out there yeah and so I go up I grab it and it was the kind of hit where the, the guy who hit me we'll call him Mike uh, just like took he was right there, took one step into me and just like helmet tapped me, like helmet to helmet where I just like, my neck immediately just went back. <laughs> I completely horizontal, hit the ground like head first, and just like laid there being, and like in midair heard everyone go, oh, <laughs> and then hit the ground. and was just like, oh, that, that probably looked really bad. And then someone comes and like grabs my hand and pulls me up 
and I stand up and everything is like crossed, like things that should be on my right side are over here. And I just had like, like a cliche, like crossed vision. And I was just like, oh my God. And then, so it was embarrassing, but then I heard Hitchens go, well, you didn't hit him that hard. He still held onto the ball. And I was like, yeah. I did hold on to the ball. <laughs> Look at this, everybody. And well, it's so, just because your muscles seized when that happened. <laughs> it couldn't come out. You know what? Okay, cool. Wait a uh, Totally undercut my prideful moment. Um, but yeah, it was like, it was kind of like the story of my high school experience all wrapped into one play of being like, you know what? I'm like kind of okay at this, but like yeah. never going to be one of the top people that is, you know, like a starter, like really good. But there's some pride in, in that and what right. I do and, and yeah. how I can like take a hit and still hold on to the ball. And yeah. so it was like a little toughness. Yeah. yeah. So that kind of stood out to me forever. Yeah. And I just kind of like carried that memory and, yeah. and also carry that concussion <laughs> for forever. Yeah. No, those were I mean, there were some dudes on our team. And I think that thinking back on some of the uh, those interactions, those hits, I mean, I've gotten injured by this guy. This guy, I went up, uh, he was playing receiver. He loves to tell the story. Well, <laughs> he, I, w- I went up, he was playing receiver. We're, we're doing like receiver drills. Uh, I was playing corner, he was receiver. Uh, he goes up, we both go up for a jump ball, and uh, uh, he comes down with it, but I landed first, and this guy uh, landed on the outside of my leg and uh, sprained my MCL. MCL is inside, right? MCL. Uh, MCL. Sprained my MCL. And yeah, put me out for whatever, a couple weeks. Wow. Um, but yeah. And then I got your position while you were out. Right? And you did, yeah. And I think that was premeditated now that I'm thinking about it. Oh, the outside receiver? <laughs> yeah. <Nah>. X. <laughs> X receiver, yeah. So yeah. what was... Well, again, I'm sorry, 20 years later. Well, I'm still bitter about it. But no what way. is... Uh, like? Thinking back on that, like, what's a memory that you have of this guy? You know, we've got our memories and stuff, but what about this guy? What do you got? He already shared it. The locker room. The locker yes. Room. yes. <laughs> I mean, other than Joe being, like, the stud of all studs, like, oh, on every play. Um, yeah, it is wild to think, to remember you were, like, the quarterback freshman year. Yeah. then you just. Yeah, it was super weird. I had, like, this giant face mask. Oh, dude, because then I like played a, like linebacker also, so it was really awkward. Yeah, you had an, a, an extra level down here. Yeah, it was like the old Dan Marino. Yes, yeah, that's right. Very, mm-hmm. very too big for a fourteen-year-old mm-hmm. kid, but yeah, yeah, I got by. Yeah, my, one of my favorite memories about with you was our senior year playoff game. Yeah, I forget who we were playing. We won, and your interception. Oh, do you remember what? Fair. Do you remember? No, 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 no. It was our senior year. Oh. um... So it was either Olu or it was no, I think Charter I, Oak. Charter Oak, yes, mm. Charter Oak. Do you remember your pick in the end zone? I do remember that. Do you remember this was part? That, oh, yeah. Well, you were like arguing with the ref yes. that had already given me the <laughs> yeah. interception and the touchback. And this guy is just going like wild on <laughs> the ref. No. No, so, so he picks it off in the end zone and the like I'm standing here. And the ref's giving the touchback signal over here, and I can't see his arm. And I'm, like, yelling at him here, like, he got the ball, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> and the guy, he's like, 
yeah, dude, I gave him the call. Like, relax, kid. It's was, your ball. Yeah. Your, and so, like, everyone's, five. like, leaving the field. And I'm like, all right, good. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's ours. Good job. And I was like, yeah, good job. Like, I convinced that guy. Yeah. <laughs> I let him know. And he was like, all right, Joe. Yes, you're yes. right. Yeah, it made it on the highlight film. I'm yeah, still standing good. there, yeah, on that one, but yeah, yeah, just frantically, yeah, <laughs> frantically trying to get your call that had already been called. Yeah. Oh man. All right. So looking back on on that time, what did it do for you as an individual? Um, what lessons did you take from it, and just the overall experience? Like, what did you get out of it? I think, and this isn't exclusive to high school football I think you know high school sports across the board when you're that age like a teenager you know you think it's possible to think that like everything is about you you know you're going into life being like I'm the center of the universe but when you're playing a sport especially football it's like you can't do that this is this is a team um, and you have to think about people that aren't you and so I think that's I mean Again, it's not exclusive to high school football. It's just a like great time to play sports in general, I think, to to realize growing up when you can be super selfish that life isn't about just you. Life is about serving other people. Life is about serving your partner. Life is about, you know, uh, working together. And I think it's a really good time to learn that lesson. I think I learned that then for sure when I could have gone away where it's just like, you know what? I'm just going to do me. And it's like, you just, you don't get to do you yeah. all the time. You yeah. have to work together with people. And I think it's a good, it's just a great time to learn that. And I think yeah. it, it's stuck with me. I think it's stuck with you guys too. Yeah. I mean, we've talked about this, uh, on this podcast, uh, times before where you get something that you're at an age where you're, you're so impressionable and you're trying to find your way, you're trying to find yourself and high school sports helps in so many ways because it helps you to kind of realize your your potential, your limits, and just how much you can push yourself beyond your limits. Mm -hmm. And then all of that, you still like I still take to that take all that those lessons to this day. I still use them, and knowing what I did back then and how I could push myself and how far I could go beyond what I thought was possible. You know, you still kind of use it now. Absolutely. What would you say, uh, kind of looking back on that, what would you do differently? I mean, we've taken a lot of these things and we've, we can look back on it and take some of those, all the life lessons that we've learned, but there's also a part of it where, you know, there's some things that maybe we would have done differently now that we're older and we've kind of matured and got some of the, um, you know, life experiences. So mm -hmm. what would you do? What advice would you give to a young Chris Hurd? I mean, one thing I would do differently is probably catch all the passes that I dropped. <laughs> that would be number one. Maybe maybe go a little four, five yards deeper yeah, little uh, on that crossing yes. route when you got lit up by, yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> by that. And Mike. the Tustin game. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, and then as far as advice goes, I think, and it's funny because I knew this at the time because my dad was, you know, played ball too. And he would always impress upon me like, you know what, this is, this is a great time in your life. And it's as grueling as it is sometimes, it's very brief. Yeah, This yeah. will go like that. And so I knew that like in the moment. And so I tried to, you know, cherish it as much as I could, but you never, you never really can yeah. enough. Um, I'll never forget the last when we lost that game against Foothill 
in the playoffs and it was like it was the last time i was ever gonna have pads on yeah and i knew that and he knew that and he came down on the field and he was just like remember what this feels like because yeah. this is it yeah and so if i could go back and tell myself you know like almost on a daily basis like if you think this is hard or this is like not worth it like you are gonna miss this so much yeah in the future just to you know again not to be cliche but to like go back and do it one more time like yeah. and not that we all didn't give it every you know 100 percent every rep but it's just like you you don't really know what you have until it's gone yeah um because life is so short yeah so i guess i would yeah just tell myself that you know yeah. maybe every morning to yeah. just be like you know what be thankful for this yeah because yeah. it's that's so good, quick man. that's a good point yeah i mean we don't have that uh luxury of perspective at that age and you, and that's what's missing in those moments where we still appreciated it we i think we still did we knew and like uh to your point like with your dad telling you hey really appreciate this we got the same thing from hitch i remember hitch before that same game against mm -hmm. foothill he, he made it a point to say everybody look up when you're out there before you you know before we get out on that field look around look up in the stands and take a look and take it all in and, and recognize that you guys worked really hard to get to this point. Mm -hmm. And I remember that was a really like strong moment for me to, to look at, uh, to do exactly what he said and actually pan up and look at all the people that were there. Uh, everybody that was, you know, kind of screaming and yelling and, and excited. And, you know, we filled up an entire stadium for people to come and see us. Um, I mean, we laid an egg, but even still <laughs> it was, uh, you, it was a good moment to look up and see the, like what, how hard we had worked all of those four years to get to that point. Um, so I think we did appreciate it, but I, I agree with you that that's like something to take away just, just to think back. And in a weird way, we're kind of like at that moment now, you know what I mean? We're in this moment where we don't have the perspective of 10 years from now when we look back and like with our kids, let's say, yeah. you know what I mean? And look back, we we have the luxury now of talking about this so that yeah. we can really just kind of hug our kids a little bit tighter and enjoy these moments a little bit more because we have uh we can kind of look to the future and have that perspective um, mm -hmm. you know what i mean it's an old saying you don't know the value of a moment till it comes a memory yeah mm -hmm. that's true mm -hmm. like that indeed yeah um, take that Let's well i mean on that note look we're we're enjoying this moment right now i'm glad we all got together to do this so let's enjoy this moment and in the meantime let's enjoy this break because we got to go to commercial so uh enjoy this message from one of our sponsors and we'll be back right after this this episode is brought to you by cigar spots of orange cigar spots is located in the circle of orange they have all the top brands of cigars and accessories including my favorite the Tatuaje Black Label. What yep. are you going with? That's a good cigar. I'm going with the Padron 1964. That's a hard cigar to come by. If all you cigar lovers know how hard it is to get that cigar. Uh, but they also do home delivery. You can actually place the order online and have it delivered to your home if you live within the Orange County area. Or you can go and pick it up in store. You can order online, uh, go to the store and pick it up. I did that recently when we were going out to dinner. Needed to get a cigar on the way out picked it up in store and uh, I was off. When you were online, did you enter a promo code by chance? Oh yeah, put in that promo code Tony Joe, got myself 20% off there. So visit cigarspots.com and like Joe said, enter that promo code Tony Joe to get yourself that 20% discount.
All right, we are back from break. All right, Chris. Hmm. You are a professional actor. No, uh, nope. Nope. Wrong. <laughs> that wrong? Is, that is wrong. No. Why is that wrong? I mean, is that, I, are you an actor? I am an actor. I have acted. I would not consider myself a professional. I do not get paid okay. to do this on a consistent basis. I have been paid, but I wouldn't. Let's let's not throw out the Well, term if someone goes and plays football and they get paid, they're somewhat a professional. Sure. That's what I, that, but, I mean. I just want to be clear here that oh, you're, yeah. you're not sitting here talking to someone who does this every day for a living. Oh, so okay, you know, okay, which is no, you don't have to cut it out. This, oh. this is fine. <laughs> like, all right, no, but, well, that's something that the audience probably didn't know for sure. Of for sure, I just don't actor. want to confuse anyone. Right. Okay. Really. So, what well, what is it's it called? Like that you're a, like work, a, a working actor? Is that the term? A semi-working actor, or you know, I don't know, maybe an amateur actor. Oh. I'm I'm fine with that title. Also, okay. Yeah. Okay. Well, what drove you? What drove you to acting? How do you even like get started in it? Um, so I actually, I started out doing stand up, which you guys both know because it was in high school. Yeah, um, how was that your first show? Yeah, yeah. Um, I did a couple of small shows, met a couple of people, started doing you know things like the Improv and the Laugh Factory. Um, Blue Martini, the Martini Blues. Oh, Martini Blues. Martini sorry. Blues. Yes, did that one. <laughs> Today, um, that's about it. <laughs> But so I did that. (laughs) A blue martini is, you know, maybe a drink, but it's not what the venue's called. Um, So I did that for, you know, through junior college up until college. Um, Had some small success doing that. And then improv at some point, the Laugh Factory, and did that till I was like 22. Like, all through like junior college. And I thought that I was, that was going to be my life like forever. I was like, I don't need to go to college. I'm going to be a (laughs) joke teller forever, dad. Um, but I did go to college and then one day I was like, I don't think stand up is for me anymore. Like the lifestyle is not, not for me. Um, I respect the hell out of it and I still love it, but yeah, but yeah. So then I moved to Seattle after college and had no idea what I was doing. Um, but was kind of like dabbling in like auditioning for stuff. I started doing that. And so I got this part in a feature um, as the lead and it was great. I had a great time. I loved doing it, realized that I, you know, I'm not just about telling jokes. I sort of like dramatic acting and like telling a story in that way. But when it was finished, I was like, man, I have no idea what I'm doing. Like I hadn't, didn't have that kind of training so and so two different skill sets absolutely yeah, yeah, yeah. so does yeah. that give you an appreciation for you see like a stand-up guy and he go and they go into movies so i you know i was very um what's the word so i looked i looked down my nose at, at actors that did stand up when I was doing stand up. I was really young and really like self righteous. Yeah. And so like guys that were actors would come in and we'd be like, you know, how how long have you been doing stand up? And they're like, ah, I just do this because my agent told me I should. And we were like, Yeah. That's not the craft, man. Yeah. Like we're in here like, you know Grinding. Grinding, right? Yeah. Our shit and yeah. not just trying to like but you know what? To each his own. And if that's the way you, you wanna make it, you're gonna make it, like good for you. Like yeah. that's you know, broaden your horizons, open your skill sets and, and do that. And so looking back, I'm like, you shouldn't have been so self-righteous. Who the fuck were you? This, you know, <laughs> this little kid who was like super privileged and being like, I'm telling, you know, like marginally problematic jokes anyway. So like, who the fuck do I think I am? Yeah. Um, 
<laughs> but but yeah, once you once I realized like, man, I really you know I dig this, but I don't know what I'm doing. So I decided to go to New York, and I enrolled at HB Studio, um, Uta Hagen Herbert Berghoff's studio, and I did their core program for a year. Yeah. Um, Were those just classes. Classes, yeah, like movement, voice, speech, acting technique, um, scene study, and script analysis, and just that for, for like a year. Yeah. And graduated that, started doing, start, joined their, um, their ensemble program, so I did plays with them, and then met certain people taking more classes, and joined a theater company, and started putting on a couple shows a year, like original content, our artistic director named Anthony Raymond, super talented guy, um, done a lot of shows with him and just and kind these of are, uh, live shows. This is theater. Yes. Theater yeah, shows. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Oof. So, I mean, that seems like it's like the, a mixture of b both of the things that you like stand up comedy mixed in with like acting It's like you have the, the immediate response from, uh, from the crowd to kind mm -hmm. of give you that. Uh, and also, like, you're, you're obviously having to act in, mm -hmm. in front of them. I mean, stand-up definitely helped me form a relationship to a live crowd and an yeah. audience specifically. They say, you know, one of the, the cornerstones of, of theater acting, I've had teachers say, it's like, what's your relationship to yourself, your relationship to your partner mm -hmm. that you're, you're, you're working with in the scene, and also your relationship to the audience. So you can't oh, forget that they're there. Yeah. A lot of people will say like, you should just be so lost in whatever it is that you're doing to an extent. Yeah. But no, you, they're there to see you yeah. and you owe them something and you can't ever forget that they're there. Yeah. Um, there are lots of different directing styles and approaches to how you negotiate that. But, but yeah, that was, I guess, sort of a help for me to, to have come from stand up and say like, yeah. oh, I know. <laughs> I know how to communicate or I know how to, to um, have a presence yeah. in front of, of an audience. I Be guess. conscious so, of like the yeah. people that are out there and yes. like know that they're there. And it, like if you were to just kind of turn, to, turn a blind eye to them and just ignore them, it's not authentic. It's not like what uh, right. it doesn't give her a good performance. Right. You have to be conscious of them too. So yeah. one thing I've always wondered, like during those theater shows, because you guys do multiple shows a night or you do like a full weekend, mm -hmm. right? Do you get different vibes from the audience and then your performance even changes off of that? Um, sometimes. Like you have the general, like I say this line. Sure. But maybe you deliver it a little differently. There is definitely something to the energy in the room. Uh, um, in certain moments, like, yeah, you can, you can go out for like a, you know, a first scene and then come back and be like, ooh, shit, they're hot tonight. Yeah, they love us. Yeah. At the end of the day, it doesn't really matter other th other than maybe like kind of like holding for laughter, but like like your job is your job. Yeah. And you need to do your job regardless of their like hollering in the cr the crowd or just like sitting back being like <laughs> yeah, non-responsive okay. like, to yeah, everything yeah. you're putting out there. <laughs> this, this is what you guys got today? Okay. Um but yeah, no, there's definitely Everybody feeds off energy yeah. in, in the yeah. room, yeah. you know, and there's, there's I've, energy going on right now. Right, that, yeah. Know, so. I've been in that, I've been in those rooms, like, uh, in one of your performances, and uh, I, I, I saw, like, a couple different shows, and it was, 
there was a big difference um, from the Saturday show to the Sunday show. Mm-hmm. You know, the people that were there, it was like a different vibe, a different feeling. And you could sense, like, I saw you run through it two times. One with this really energetic crowd that was giving you a lot. And then the other crowd that was not as engaging or not as responsive. And you can kind of, you know, you can sense that, you know, you're you're doing it and you're you're acting and you're going through like you'd said you're delivering your lines but you know you're it's it's a little bit different you kind of have like tweak mm-hmm. it just a little bit mm-hmm. ever so you know yeah so yeah slightly. it's 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 hard not to let it inform what you're doing or how you're i guess conveying it's i mean the the name of the game though is like staying in the moment right. with, with your partner and if you can do that then you can sort of shut out anything else that's going on i did a show <laughs> Once it's like matinee and matinees are like kind of notorious for like when all the old people come out. Oh, yeah. And so there are these two old women in the front row and we're come back from the first act. We're like just starting the second act. And I'm sitting in a chair on stage and my the guy who I'm working with, Anthony, actually, he comes out and he's, he yells at me. He's like, hey, how you doing? And this woman in the front go, goes, I'm good. How are you? <laughs> And we're just like, like, lady, this isn't an interactive show. Not about you, dude. Like, not right now. And it's just like, okay, let's roll. Yeah. But it's just like, you know, so that's obviously very different energy that you never really want. But it happens. How are your nerves like during that? I mean, because I'm putting myself in that position and like the lights come on and you're jumping in there and you're like thinking about it right now. Gives you the willies. (laughs) (laughs) I mean... I used to, when I was doing stand-up, I found that like, I for sure would get nervous. And the way that my body reacted was to get one, really tired, oh. and two, really cold. Oh, interesting. And there's probably some sort of physiological scientific reason for both of yeah, those things. Yeah, for sure. But, Fight or flight or something. Yeah, <laughs> and I couldn't, I never really figured that out. But but yeah, it was it was those two things. And then, I mean, once I started doing theater, they're for sure nerves always but that's part of technique also it's something that you you know learn is to if you're nervous before you you're about to go on stage it's like where was my where was my character where was i right before i was about to go on stage if you can ground yourself in that reality mm-hmm. and that idea it almost takes you out of the equation completely you don't have to be there and i know this this sounds like pretentious in a way but no, like not at all. if you I can mean, get out of your own head and say like what was i doing right before i made i'm I'm about to make this entrance yeah you know that's like shutting off your nerves in a way and thinking about what your character's feeling what you're doing in this moment put yourself somewhere else yeah so i mean that's yeah that's a technique to battle something like that um and also just be more rich within the character and give that character life and say like yeah, obviously you were somewhere before you were here. So, so there's probably like tons of little like tricks of the trade like that. Yeah. Like, I would never have thought someone's about to come out on stage and they're yeah. like, okay, I just got home from work. Yeah. And what happened on the stairs when I was walking up to my apartment? Yeah. What yeah. was, what was my day? Like if I can think about that. And then next thing you know, you're on stage yeah. and you're just like. Exactly. I'm not thinking about Chris being like, oh God, I, I, I hope my teacher likes my performance, <laughs> you know, like. Yeah. Well, that's part of the craft though, right? Like of, of going to HP studio so that you can learn that craft, learn, get those skills to transfer out because that's going to give you a better performance. That's all mm-hmm. like the things that you learn. They're tips, tricks and, and things. I mean, I don't want to say tricks, but techniques like you said to get yourself in the right mindset to uh to perform yeah and that's that's kind of like the the basis of the school that i went to was like 
Uta Hagen has written a couple books and it's all about those techniques yeah. about, and what you do is you build these <clears> like <throat> odd scenarios for yourself. And you're not, you're not actually being an actor in those moments. You're being yourself, but you're putting yourself in situations that cause you to have to act. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's, it's odd. And I know that it sounds deep. That weird, was deep. but <laughs> yeah, it's deep. so it's like, I mean, for example, it's like, you do an exercise called the three phone calls and it's like, and I use you for this actually. Mm. So you, you, you're on stage and you build these, you like prepare beforehand, but you're, I'm like, okay, who, who are my three phone calls going to be? I'm going to talk to a customer service person that I have a problem with and I'm going to talk to them a certain way. Okay. And then I'm going to talk to Tony and I'm going to talk to him a certain way. And my mom's going to call me. I'm going to talk to her. I'm going to talk to her a, a certain way. It's like realizing who you're talking to and how you are affected by the person that you're talking to and changing yourself based on that person mm. is like something that you wouldn't think is really helpful, but it is like, yeah, like practicing waiting for something, practicing losing something and then trying to find it. But it's like, again, it's so odd because it's like, I build the exercise. They're like, you lost something. Okay. I go up on stage. I create my, my room up on stage. And I, you know, I'm gonna lose my keys. I'm gonna put them in this bag over here. So I know that they're there the whole time, yeah. but I'm trying to find them and figuring out, like realizing that there are things to be discovered while you're doing that stuff is really, again, it's so weird. It's so fucking, acting is so weird and so dumb. You're, you're trying like, to do, you're so trying to recreate yeah. like reality in a way that's not so obvious or so, like you're trying to do it like a subtlety, like the subtle way of like, how this movement is going to insinuate that I've lost something without being so obvious. Sure. Yeah. And, and yes. And what can I discover along the way? Right. Yeah. What can I pull? Cause it's, I mean, those, those techniques exercises are not performances per se, but, and it, you know, it was, it took a long time for me to learn that, you know, when, the, when it finally one day was like, this isn't for us, this is for you, Chris, what can you learn by doing this? It was like, Oh, I'm not trying to get the answer right. I'm just trying to learn what I, you know, what can I discover? For you. For, yeah. yeah. So what are, what are some other ones? I like that three phone calls. What else? Give us something else. <laughs> uh, I like that. Yeah. Like, like waiting for something, losing something, talking to the audience, uh, is a, is a fun one. That's like you pick a person, um, within your own life, obviously, and you create a scenario where you need to tell them something urgently in the moment. And you just basically, go on a monologue. You're like looking out into the audience, but you're talking to someone that you know about something that you have to tell them in the moment. And what is that like? Yeah. What does that do to you by like being here? I'm like, I don't have a scene partner. I have a partner that doesn't actually exist in front of me, but I have to tell them this now. Okay. And it's wild. So what if you have to have a, say you have to have a heavy conversation with somebody. Mm -hmm. Okay. And that's like, what you're imagining, mm -hmm. but you're not great at those. Mm. As as Chris, sure. as Chris, you're sure. not great as having of having. You have to confront someone about something. Yeah, and it makes you uncomfortable. Yeah, that's exactly what it's for. It's like what? Then how do you like combat that? How do you? <clears throat> I mean, you you sit in it, and you and you push it and you work through it and you and you what you're actually discovering is why is this it's oddly like therapy sometimes mm. like that's what it kind of mm. felt like and sometimes it towed the line of being like 
this is weird. I'm not here for therapy. I'm here to become an actor. <laughs> yeah. um, but in ways that informs you about one, how you can place yourself in certain situations like an uncomfortable situation and push through it or, or access things about yourself that are, you haven't really touched and doing it in front of people okay. is only going to help you when you have to access that again in a real show in, okay. in a, in a play. Okay. You know what I mean? So it's, it's, it's practice. Okay. So it's with, doing reps. with all these tricks and all these, all this stuff that you've learned, do you watch movies or TV shows differently than the average Joe Schmoes? Right. Right. We, we watch like, I watch football with people and they're like, oh man, that receiver dropped it. Mm. I'm like, well, yeah, the left tackle didn't block and the quarterback right. got hit. It was a bad ball. And the, yeah, you've the, got DB, the, D, the DB made a good play. You know what I mean? I got yeah. a different perspective. Right. Do you have a different perspective watch, I, watching actors do their thing? I would say I, I probably do and I don't. I think when you're watching something that's really good or you find compelling, it's it's good enough to get lost in and mm -hmm. it's like i'm not i'm not looking at this as an actor right now but at the same time you maybe you are because you're like i mean not to bring up a you know a hot um pop culture topic at the moment but like something like succession where it's mm -hmm. like these guys are on fire all of them just lights out shit yeah and you're just like god this is amazing but you're also i guess Sometimes I think about scripts and like, yes, I'm, I'm watching these guys act their asses off and, and hearing the words come out of their mouth, but I'm also like trying to see the words on the page and be like, man, you did that with those words. Uh, yeah. See, that's what I'm talking like, about. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's wild. Or like, or maybe the opposite way too, where it's like, oh, that's how you're going to do that. <laughs> like, man, that's so rich right there, but you just kind of, yeah. That's but so you're going to deliver it. <laughs> but yeah. So you, so you kind of, yeah, I start to like see words sometimes and you're just like, that's, you took that and did that. You that's know? cool. I think that's cool. Yeah. It's, that's kind of fun. Yeah. So what do you do, uh, to, to get into character? What's like, what are some techniques? Like th that's like technique on like the performance side. But what about like pre-performance to kind of get yourself into that character? Are there things that you do to kind of work on that and get yourself in that? It's it's kind of different um, with theater and with uh, film. Mm -hmm. In that, like in the, I mean, obviously, there's so much, there's so much you can do, and there's so much uh, background and talking with your director about your character that you're you're always going to do. Hopefully, if there's time for it. Um, but when you're in a play or what I found when I'm in a play, you're just in the rehearsal room so much that like, you're just just beating things out mm -hmm. and like going through script wise, like, like literally like the beats of the script. Um, and just every day you're being informed by work that you're doing and the repetition of, of the words and your partner and trying it this way and trying it that way you get, I mean, you're afforded so much rehearsal time in a play because you literally have to because you're gonna go do this like from yeah. start to finish one day, not mm -hmm. like film. Yeah. Um, so that's super informative. I find that when it comes to memorizing lines, I liked, I'm a writer. Mm -hmm. I like to write out uh, everything that I'm gonna say. If I, if I can't, especially if it's a monologue, mm -hmm. I write it 
big and I put it up on a wall and that's how I learn it. I oh, hate having sure. a paper in my hand with yeah. like tiny writing where I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. don't do that. So it's just like, if it's here and I can see everything and I can move and I can walk, I get it in my body that way. Yeah. And that's really helpful. How um, long does it usually take you to memorize? I, I mean, a whole, uh, we're talking about a whole uh, theater. I mean, what, what do you even yeah, call it? Theater, yeah, how do a people, play, a play. How, yeah, like how do you, you watch remember? a show. Yeah, do people do it by like a scene? Do they just... Sure, sure. You know, yeah, 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 I'm with you. Like, how do yeah. they? Okay. Like, how yeah. do they do that so, like, if you just took the amount of words that are out, <laughs> yeah. ah, what is it like? A couple thousand? It's got to be like ten thousand words. The, I mean, you would find if you had to do something enough times, yeah, it would just get into your bones. Yeah, like that, and that's how you do that. That's how I've done it, and like worked with directors for theater. That it's like, let's go again. Like, let's just go, and eventually, somehow you just it just gets in there and you just remember it and it's like it's sometimes it's associated with like physical movement like blocking where it's like all right we're here and it's like you associate oh we're standing at the corner of the table when i say this so it's there like i've got it yeah yeah um so it's all like physicalized walk through it's practice yeah, Dude, exactly. It's like lining up against like uh, yeah. trips, <laughs> yeah. trips on this yeah. side. You got a tight end yeah. over here. You got to run it back here. Mm-hmm. What do you run in this situation? I mean, it's yeah. It seemed like how how did we remember all those plays? It's just like repetition. Repetition. I, when I hear this and I I can see this play in my head, yeah. I know that I run this way. Like yeah. it's kind of the same yeah. thing. Okay. But as far Damn. as like process of like character, I mean, it's always different. I find that I like to journal, mm. which is what I did for this movie that we'll talk about in a, in a minute. Yeah. But um, that helps me taking something from the text and knowing that someone said this about me or I said it myself, I'll take out a notebook and I'll start journaling about it and just kind of seeing what comes out, like as like journal as the character. As the person, yeah, okay, yeah. yeah. Um, and that's sometimes like, fruitless and not helpful and you're just like okay well that was weird and not <laughs> fun i guess but then other times you're just like oh maybe that's a way into this or yeah. maybe this informs me in this way like so it's yeah it's always different you can try to have certain experiences that your character has but there's i mean so what makes the great ones the great ones and what i mean by that is the tom hanks is the Daniel Day Lewis's, like, do they journal? Do they do the the monologue? You know, I'm like, I like mean, what separates? I think, I mean, Daniel Day Lewis, I've heard, just stays in character the entire shoot, which is wild. Crazy. But he's yeah. also the best actor in the world. Yeah. Like, and you can see it. Like, it's just you'd rank him, put put him number one. I mean, I think so. He yeah. just gets lost in it. Like, he's just he's not. It's not him. It's. Yeah. Bill the Butcher, or it's yes. yeah. I remember hearing like a like a story of him, his character like had like didn't have movement of his legs, and like when they would cut, he would like require somebody <laughs> to pick him up and like drag him to wherever he was gonna go because my my character that's can't, can't okay. Walk. So I guess we'd call that commitment. <laughs> yeah. That is what separates him from right, commitment. But like the, so with the football, football, or even like sports in general, you can tell like that dude's 6'10", he can yeah. jump and he can dunk. Like, 
That's yeah. why probably he's in the NBA. Yeah. Right? Like, why is Tom Hanks a great? Why is Edward Norton very good? Why, like, you know what I'm saying? Like, why are those dudes there? And then some guys maybe I aren't. I don't know if I have a great answer for that other than, you know, experience, persistence, and and I guess a certain sense of, like, natural charisma on camera that Mm -hmm. you can't buy and also like just being able to you know you never see the other takes that they didn't use and so it's like social media you don't see the good stuff exactly yeah yeah. (laughs) so how who knows how many you know whatever's happened before this but yeah but if we're talking about certain guys specifically and saying like he's consistently amazing i think it's just it's something this is a shitty answer, but like talent, I don't know, man. Like, <laughs> they just, they're just they more just talented, got it. man. It's what you call intangibles. Yeah, yeah exactly. there you go. There you go. Oh man. But uh, so you're you're here. I mean, not just to have fun in this podcast, but you're also here to promote a movie that you just did somewhat recently. Um, and uh, so, how long ago was the? Well, by the way, it's uh, the movie is Hirsch, and it will be out. Uh, I don't know if it'll be out by the time this airs. We're going to get some info on it. And uh, you guys are taking it to some film festivals. You're going to try and get it out there and get some distribution. That Yeah, that is the uh, the plan. I don't have any definitive answers for you. I'm yeah. not on the producing side of this project. But um, you acted in it. Mm-hmm. Um, so tell us about the movie. Uh, the movie's called Hirsch. Uh, tell us about the, the plot. Tell us a little bit about it. So Hirsch is uh, written and directed by Zach Stein, um, who I met in New York when he was writing and directing plays. Mm-hmm. He cast me in a one-man show that I did that he wrote, yeah. um, which was wild and fun. Uh, we did another project together where we wrote a play together and had that up in a festival. And then he wrote this. He moved out to L.A. a couple years ago, and he wrote this, and he said, um, I have this um, for you if you want to do it. And I said, dude, I love you. Of course. Let's yeah. do it. Um, yeah. So we shot this last September. Uh, it was a 15-day shoot, but we were there for a month. It's, it all takes place in one house okay. um, in Woodland Hills is where we shot it. Okay. Um, and, yeah, it is a... I guess you would call it a family crime drama um, about the Hirsches who are part of, you know, the Jewish mafia, I guess, is is a way to describe it. It's it's kind of, you know, cryptic, but but that's that's what's going on. And you and you know pretty early that they're uh, kind of they're they're in trouble and they're on the run from someone or something, whether that's a coup from within inside their business or a betrayal from within the family um they're they're hiding out in this safe house oh interesting and so we're here for the eight days of hanukkah coincidentally oh interesting oh. So it takes place right. over the eight days of hanukkah so you guys are hiding out in the house mm-hmm. yeah how many actors are in the movie so it's just the four of us um there's four people <laughs> that, you, that you see in this movie it's uh it's uh my dad played by joel stoffer uh my mother played by elise robertson my sister played by adrian jackson and myself um had you acted with any of these people before i had not okay no um how so, did you find all of them 
Because you guys had previous work together. How did yeah. you find them? So uh, Adrian is his wife, who is also an actor, okay. his ex-wife. Um, she's super talented. Um, I think she knew Elise somehow through a class. Actors are always taking classes. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, and then Elise has known Joel for a long time. Um, and kind of pulled, she told Zach, like, I know this guy. He read for him and he's like, oh my gosh, you guys are all great. So cool. And yeah. Yeah. And then we just went from there. And how long does it like take you guys to get acclimated to one another to where you kind of find your, your vibe, you know what I mean? Or find your, like, um, your, your rapport with one again, another. Yeah, getting shred. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's, with film, it's it's hard. You're not afforded as much rehearsal time mm-hmm. as obviously as you are with a play. And so it kind of has to happen on the fly pretty quickly. Um, but it's all in the text, really. Zach wrote a really rich script with a lot that's going on emotionally and a, yeah. with a lot of history between these four people. And so you pick it up out of that and it really leads you to you know feel a certain way in a certain moment about the person that you're working with and yeah. say like oh I know what's going on here yeah. or, or we yeah. have to dig a little bit deeper into that like let's run this a couple times or talk about this like yeah. let's you know talk about again previous circumstance like we were talking about yeah. right before you come on stage what did the last year look like yeah. between us mm. what did so it's having a lot of conversations and like it's having that. a lot of um, creating something that's not maybe within the text. Uh, and is and the doing director in on that or the writer and director? Like, is he part of those conversations sometimes, or is some, it just actor and actor? Sometimes you'll do it on your own and you'll be like, you'll come to him and be like, so we figured this out and they'll be like, amazing, great, go, f- let's play with it. Or yeah, they're like, yeah, or no, but let's try it anyway. You know, and so you're constantly just trying shit and just saying like, you know, whether it's, you know, if you're building something for yourself and saying like, well, this is, this is the the genesis of my entire character and it's completely off. Hopefully they let you know before it gets too late. Oh, right. Yeah. And that'll, (laughs) that'll happen. But, but as like when you're in the scene and you've got, you know, a little bit of time, um, not to bring football back to acting, but it's it's all about those those reps those right. takes like every take is like a rep where it's yeah. like you don't want to take one off yeah because what if that's the one yeah you know like you're on this team let's and not to get too ahead but like the way that we shot this movie specifically was really difficult in that sense because there was not a lot of coverage being shot and what i mean by that is in a normal shoot it's like so tony's gonna shoot us right in this like this two shot here and he's maybe going to get a master of the two of us together and then he's going to go over the shoulder on you and get me and then he's going to go over the shoulder on me and get you and so we're going to do it a bunch of different times a bunch of different ways or like get close-ups on you or medium close-ups and have all that stuff to work with zach doesn't like that shit didn't mm-hmm. want to do any of that Interesting. so we we did what we call oneers which are these one takes mm-hmm. where mike I'm going to say his last name wrong. I apologize. Malawanog, this amazing director of photography, like most of the shoot had a steady cam on his shoulder and was just following us around for these long takes because Zach didn't want to cut and have coverage. So it's either he's trying to get us in like the two of us in this one shot for the entire take until we're cutting to the next scene. 
Dude, and so I there's... love I love a long take. I do love yeah. Uh, yeah. do in the uh, uh, Goodfellas. Well, B- Birdman's like a cheat because they kind of like they cheat a long shot. Okay, that's not a true long shot. Oh, okay. Goodfellas when uh, uh, Ray Liotta's character is going into on his date with his lady. They that's a that is a whole long shot, uncut, unedited. It is just one shot. So mm-hmm. you see the camera follow them the entire way mm-hmm. down from their car into the club to the point where they're sitting, where the bartender or the uh, waiter, whoever brings a table. All of that is like one shot. And it is like everybody has to hit their mark the entire two and a half minutes or three minutes, whatever, how long it is. Dude, yeah. So you guys it's, had some long shots in that movie. Dude, mostly. Like almost every scene is oh a one. Oh my god, that is which really is, cool. It's just hard, but it's like it's really fun because it keeps you in the moment. Yeah. Like a play. It's like coming from theater, it's like, this is a dream. I love yes, this. Yes, yeah. Let's do fourteen pages in yeah. one shot. In one shot. I'm down. Let's <laughs> yeah. fucking go. It's hard because it's and especially on a on a pretty low budget, shooting in a house that's not yours. Yeah. Uh because the owner of the house was there for most of the shoot and didn't really understand what was going on. And so he'd be upstairs kind of stomping around. It's like, cut, fuck. Like, okay. <laughs> we were seven pages into that. Like, oh my God. But we made it work. And, wow. And so, yeah, we, it's, there's, a, there's a take or a scene in this movie that's like a 12-minute bathtub scene that's like one shot. Wow. It's, it's wild. 12 and minutes, really? dude. It's a You're long... You're talking about 12 minutes. I don't even know if, like, to this point, if we've been talking for 12 minutes, like, we'll mm-hmm. run back to the tape and see. But that is a very long time for everybody to hit their mark, hit their line, to do exactly dude. what needs to be in this scene for it to go off without a hitch. And it's mostly just Joel doing a monologue. Wow. And it's like he's just cooking, man, for twelve. Twelve and minutes. Yeah, it's it's cool, and That's so super impressive. Yeah, this movie. That being said, is not going to be everyone's cup of tea. Okay. Like they're gonna, you know, th- the attention span of our culture now is so that yeah, sure. you know, this isn't going to be for everybody. But for someone that like is and is int- it's set like present day? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And well, so sorry, just. Real quick, what character do you play in this movie? So I play I play the son. I play Adam. Okay. Um, and not I mean not to really give anything. I'm not, I won't really talk about Adam himself. Okay. Um, but yeah, I'm somewhat of a attempting to be a voice of reason within this this family that is very. Uh, I'm very judgmental of a lot of the decisions that happen in okay. this family, made by my parents specifically. Um, they're a wild crew, and they're uh, they play it fast and loose. And they're uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, it's a man. It's a the, the performances, especially by like Adrian, Elise, and Joel, you are worth catching for sure. Like they just again, they all just cook, and it's really cool. And Mike's cinematography, Zach's direction and writing, yeah. it's. I'm excited about this movie, um, so I hope I hope you guys enjoy it. Just yeah. to, just to go back a little bit, so let's say that we were filming something like a movie, right? And how you were saying like the camera's facing here, right? Right. So if the camera's facing there and doing a shot, like we do a take there, and then they move the camera and do it. Mm-hmm. But can they put one there and there and over there and hide them? Sometimes. 
Oh, okay. Sometimes okay. I think, yeah, it's like actually a show like Succession does that, where they okay. they're they're shooting film, but they're shooting with multiple cameras at the same yeah. time and choreographing it in, in a way that you're not seeing that. Yeah. Okay. So and if you ever do see it, they'll edit it to where you can't see it, something mm, like that. Yeah. Mm. Um, but yeah, our little movie. We were uh, <laughs> sorry. I wasn't trying to. Get <laughs> no, 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 yeah, no, yeah. no, no, no. But I just I wanted to get back to that because I thought yeah. that was cool how you were talking about the angles. Yeah. Well, the, I, uh, there's like uh, so one of my favorite movies uh, is Heat, and in like it's one of the most like memorable scenes where uh, the two characters who have they're they're you know they're foes right. You have a, a the cops and the robbers really is what it is. The entire scene where it kind of comes to a head or right before it comes to a head, you have. Two people sitting across from one another at a uh, uh, breakfast table or like a diner table. And it's the back of one person's head and the front of the other, back and forth. It just keeps going back and forth, back and forth. You actually never see them in frame together. You don't ever see them you in frame together. Master. You don't get that until the very last scene mm. where, spoiler, uh, one of the characters dies and they finally come together. You never see them together. And it's almost like building, 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 and they come so close at this dinner table where they're talking, but you never see them in the same frame, right? See the back of one person's head and the other back of the other person's head. And then the crescendo or the like the highest point of the of the movie is when this one character dies and they're finally you see them both light like things get lit up they're like yeah. front lit and it's just like this kind of like epic moment you know what i mean that's intention yeah that's, yeah uh, yeah that's michael mann baby yeah that's say cool. how much thought process goes behind all that like if a like a director or the video guy like so, cinematographer yeah, yeah they sit down and meet and we're like hey i think we get this Ab and let's absolutely build it. And so zach just <laughs> his his favorite films likes a lot of John Cassavetes films they're just like not not conventionally cut the way that like you know if you've got a scene written the way that he wrote it you would typically shoot it like this but he's like I don't really like that he talked to Mike and he was like I want to shoot it like this Mike was like I'm down let's go for it and so yeah it ended up being all these wonders and but yes it's absolutely intentional yeah. where it's like one I mean one it's intentional but two it actually afforded us a lot of time on a strict time, um, like a budgeted shoot, where because he wrote so much dialogue, if we tried to get coverage of everything, there's no way we would have shot this in 15 days. Right. Uh, so it's like, but if you can get those long takes and be like, yeah. all right, moving on. Yeah. Yeah. So to set up each shot, like if you're doing like a five minute, uh, or like you'd said, where um, uh, he was doing a 15 minute like monologue. Uh, if you were to have to like stop, set up the shot for the other to to have the camera facing a different way, those are minutes that you're having to like set up and change mm -hmm. wherever your angle is from, mm -hmm. and to do that multiple times. Yeah. Is... It'd be like now, okay, do it all again, Joel, but this time we're gonna get close. It's <laughs> yeah. Like, whew, okay. <laughs> um, so yeah, it was it was hard, but it was it afforded us to, to work differently and also like afforded the performances something cool too, where you got to stay in the moment for longer, where typically like, I mean, you, you don't always get to do that or you, or, you know, your moments coming up where it's like, Oh, this is the close up. So like really give it to us. It's like, yeah. well, yeah. 
you're, you're, you might not get it. You might not even be seen so much in this scene. Yeah. It's like, okay. But I don't know. We'll see, we'll see how it, it ends up looking. What was the most challenging part of filming the movie for you, like individually, or maybe a part of the character was tough for you? I don't know. Just like kind of emotionally getting to certain places within this movie. Yes. That was, that was difficult on a, on a, a budgeted shoot or where time is budgeted saying like, okay, oh my God, actually I have a better answer for you. Sound 100% where it's like, we're outside and you can't really control the environment. So like what was like really frustrating sometimes was, was getting to a place where we have a good, we have a great moment. I feel like really fully connected to, to Adam and what's happening in the moment. And then a plane will go by. It's like, this yeah. is unusable. Yeah. Like, I thought you guys were in the house. We're, we're in, the, in the backyard a lot. <laughs> <laughs> That's a safe space, too. It's backyard. It's, um, it's within the uh, confines of the yes, property yes, line. Yes, yeah. <laughs> Inside the perimeter. Um, but yes, working that way with kind of like wild sound and, and getting to a, a certain state and then having it not be able to be used was frustrating and that's not that's not unique to this film either though right. it's like it's just tough but then again it's just like okay let's go again maybe there's something better out there yeah maybe yeah. there's another take out there for me have that perspective yeah. of just like all right the next one's going to be even better and it's uh, absolutely it's, yeah and just just pressing on yeah but so how long does it take to kind of like from start to finish i know you had said that you guys were on a a, a budget and a that kind of uh works its way into the timeline but how does uh how does the timeline work and how many days are you like shooting throughout or sorry how many hours are you shooting throughout a day and then how long just start to finish does that take um typically like like 12 we're doing 12 hour 12 hours days a day, yeah um and you know three three weeks of that four weeks of that with you know normal weekends off yeah um and then post is like can take anywhere from a couple months to six months to a year, just depending yeah. on what your movie is. Yeah. Um, and ours is, you know, because of these Warners, you would think pretty easily cuttable yeah. together. I don't know. Like I'm yeah. not I'm not involved in that. Well, that's um, a big part of it, and that and you hear um, uh, people uh, like um, Tarantino. Uh, Quinn Tarantino uh, had the same editor uh, for years until until she passed suddenly from uh, I think she like went hiking and like passed uh, she, she something happened when she was out hiking uh, but she, he had her as his uh, editor because you have to be so simpatico at least from what I understood about it you have to know what the director is looking to accomplish and the editing is almost as equally as important as the acting and the uh, shooting. Because in the end, it's what you're, you're, you're delivering this, all of what everyone has done and putting it together in a way that is, um, you know, it, it makes sense and it's what the director is looking for. Yeah, yeah, um, exactly. Like finding that vision and making it cohesive to... Yeah. To the intention of the movie, yeah. the tone of the movie, yeah. um, the message of the movie, if there is one, and yeah, putting that all together. So yeah, obviously that takes that takes time. 
I think he's at a stage where they're almost done with post and there's just a few more like logistical hurdles to jump through before yeah. it gets out into the world. So, and is, so there, is there like a possible release date or I mean, there, at least a, a ballpark? Um, I would say probably sometime in like early 2024. I don't know. I'd like I'm ballpark yeah. parking here only because I think he's going to try to run it through the festival circuit and you right. start applying for those like near the end of this year. Okay. okay. And so that's, I think his, his intention is to try to get it out there and, and run some festivals and that's, see that kind of reaction. Yeah. That'll be fun to see. It. Uh, it'll be fun to see like when it's out there hitting some of the festivals and uh, see who picks it up and um, where it goes and where we can watch it. So we'll be sure to drop a link in this uh, in the description in this episode um, at some point whenever it comes out and we'll make sure to yeah spread that word so everybody can see it. All right, we're going to take a quick break and uh, we'll be back uh, just in a short two minutes. This episode is brought to you by Paul Market. Paul Market was established in 1925. Located on Palm Avenue near the Circle of Orange, the new owners, Tim and Moose, are now the owners of the oldest establishment in the city of Orange. Yeah, they've got some great sandwiches there. When I go, I usually get the Cubini, which has braised pork, boar's head ham, mustard, pickles, Swiss cheese, all on a Tolera bread. This thing is lights out. Very nice. I usually go with the Plaza, add a little extra mayo, avocado, and bacon for me. But I did see Tim making a pulled pork sandwich that looked very good the yeah, other day. Yeah, some good stuff. And when I take my kids, we usually take some quarters, hit the gumball machine, and figure yourself an orange gumball, win yourself a free sandwich. Yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, but they don't just do sandwiches there. They've got a wide selection of beer and wine. Uh, and if you go, tell them that Ruin Field sent you, get yourself a 10% discount at anything at the deli. So visit Palm Market. Uh, visit their website at palmmkt.com and check out all the sandwiches that they have there. All right, and we are back from break. All right, we're going to get into a game here, okay? This is, uh, this. we're going to be paying homage to uh, an Adam Carolla show. Adam Carolla show, this is where this game came from. It's uh, called the Rotten Tomatoes game. And this is a game where... You are going to guess, this is going to be uh, film-themed uh, and also New York-themed. Oh. oh. Yeah. So these are all movies. Advantage Chris. <laughs> yeah, Chris, uh, yeah. so we should say, is uh, flew in from New York. You're coming in from New York. So um, this is going to be New York-themed. Now, these movies in one way or another have a New York theme to it. Uh, you guys are going to guess the Rotten Tomatoes score of these movies. I'm going to give them to you. I'll read the description. You guys give me the score, what you think they are. Now, the whole point of this game is to have the, the, the lowest score. Lowest score wins. If you get the Rotten Tomatoes score on the nose exactly, you're going to get a five-point deduction. Okay? We'll take what you guessed, compare it to the actual Rotten Tomatoes score, and then whatever the difference is is going to be your number your score got it okay all right we ready do we get, get, do we get do we get any points after you read the description if we can name the movie uh well it, i think these movies are going to be pretty so you, you read the description first one to raise their hand and guess what it is all right fine i'll give you a one point deduction okay one point one point deduction i'm good with that, good with that. Oh, okay don't raise your hand say your name 
Okay. Okay. If you say your name, it'll like I can dif differentiate yeah. who said it. <laughs> who Got said it. It, who's, who's out first? Right. 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 All right. Here we go. Movie number one. After a wish turns twelve-year-old Josh Baskin. Chris. Oh my gosh! I know this one. <laughs> what is it? Big. <laughs> From nineteen eighty-eight, the movie is big. Well, let me just read the full description. Yeah, 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 yeah. After Wish turns 12-year-old Josh Baskin into a 30-year-old man, he heads to New York City and gets a low-level job at Macmillan Toy Company. A chance encounter with the owner of the company leads to a promotion testing new toys. Soon, a fellow employee takes a romantic interest in Josh. However, the pressure of living as an adult begins to overwhelm him, and he longs to return to his simple former life as a boy. 1988, the movie is big. What is Tom the Rotten Tomatoes? Hanks. Tom Hanks. Uh, side note, what's the name of the game that he makes his wish? I, is it Zoltan? Z Zoltar? Oh. Zoltar. Zoltar. Zoltar, yes. I believe. Yes. Yeah. I believe we yeah. can double check we'll go, go it, but it's, yeah. Yeah, it's Zoltar. All right, you guys are going to write your Rotten Tomatoes score down on your paper. Mm. Lock it in. Lock it in. Critics. This is the critics. What Wait, they I thought guess. we're going. Oh, oh okay. No, we're critics. going. What critics? Uh, I'll give you the the audience score too, but we're gonna go critics. That's okay. the number that we're basing it off of. All right. Well, hold on. Chris locked in. I'm locked in. It's there's a square around it. Okay, I'm locked in for lock right. proof. Well, yeah. We'll get. Let's give our guest the uh, the first uh, explanation here. What do you got? I'm gonna go 86. 86. Okay. I believe that. Big was kind of a sensation when it came out. Yeah. And I don't think that, I mean, it kind of took over for a minute, if I'm correct. Uh, we were three when it came out, so yeah. Well, <laughs> I, wasn't, I wasn't privy to it when it did come out, but I... He has a great memory, okay? Yeah, you know, you know the lines on the walls. Um, yeah, I think it was, a, it was a huge hit. All right. And Hanks was like... Slay it. Some say robbed of an Oscar nomination for Big. Ooh, all Some right. Some might say. Uh, the iconic piano scene. I if yes. want to remember. Dun, 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 dun. Yes. Okay. Yeah. Uh, there were some great, like, just moments in that movie. Uh, him and his little buddy got their little handshake. Um, I'm going to give it a 92. Ooh, 92. Big is rated... 98%. Oh, God. <laughs> wow. Okay. All right. All right. I'll I take see, it. I see how this game's going. <laughs> okay. All right. Movie I'll take number a six. Two. I'll take a six right there. It's 12, right? 12, yeah. Minus one for getting it before the description okay. was over. Oh, yeah. right, right, right. Okay. I'll take 11. All right. Here movie we go. number two. If you guess the movie, shout your name. <clears throat> After saving New York City from a ghost attack, the ghost. What is Ghostbusters 2? 1989 movie. The movie is Ghostbusters 2. <laughs> oh, yes! <laughs> Ooh, okay, so tough two. One, tough one. Yeah. <sighs> All right, let's lock it in. What do you guys got? Okay, I'm ready. All right, I'm locked in. All right, you had the last one, so Jay Mitch will give you the first. Not super confident because we're all dancing around 
which movie it actually is. <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm going to just go, uh, I'm going to give it the old 88. 88. Okay. All right. Chris, what do you got? I stuck with the 80s as well. I'm going to go 82. 82. All right. Ghostbusters 2 from 1989 is rated 55%. Oh, good God. Rotten. Wow. Way off. Oh, man. Sorry, Venkman. Wow. (laughs) All right. We are on to movie number three. All right. Terror races through the world's major cities. As these extraordinary events unfold, it becomes increasingly clear that a force of incredible magnitude has arrived. Its mission, total annihilation over the 4th of July weekend. The last hope to stop the destruction is an Joe. unlikely... Independence Day? Independence Day, the Got 1996 him, movie. Got well, that's him. in New York? So It's all over the place. So, all right, so it's... Some of it takes place in New York. Some of it takes place in like Washington. It's it's you know we're being a little liberal with that one. Okay. Right? Okay. Yeah. The 1996 movie is Independence Day. Lock in your scores. USA. All right, Chris. What do you got? I'm going 91. 91. Oof. You got Goldblum. You got Smith. You got uh, Paxson. No. Not Bill Paxton. Sorry, that happens all the time. Yeah. No, it's um, uh, Bill Pullman. Bill Pullman is the president giving that speech. Right. Yeah. Hot summer blockbuster. <laughs> Hot summer blockbuster. Yeah. yeah, it was. It was big time. All right. Jamie, what do you got? Even though it was a uh, big summer blockbuster, I'm not going to give it that much credit. I'm going to go with 79. 79. All right. Independence Day, the 1996 blockbuster movie, is rated 68%. Wow. Jeez. That just smashed all tomatoes into fucking ketchup. <laughs> all right, the number four movie coming at you. You guys ready for it? Ready. Ready. In 1987, Jordan Belfort takes an entry-level job at a Wall Street brokerage Heard. firm. Wolf of Wall Street. The Wolf of Ra- Wall Street 2013 movie. You are correct. Leonardo and... Oh, yeah. Jonah. Jonah, Jonah Hill. Margot yeah. Robbie. All right. What's the score? Let's lock it in. See, it's like, I hate to say this, but I've never seen it. Really? Oh, it is a good movie. It was on the other day, and I was like, eh, you know, maybe I should watch this. But then I got tired, and I didn't watch it. It's but. it's worth a scope. For it's <laughs> worth it. Okay. It's worth it. Yeah. Don't All let right. that, I mean, sway. I mean, like, you know, choose your score according mm. to what you think. But. Um, I want to go with my instincts, but my instincts have continually let me down. <laughs> All right. I'm, uh, I feel like a lot of people like this movie, though. Yeah. Like, I don't think I've ever heard anyone speak badly of this movie. Yeah. Jay Mitch, what do you got? Wolf of Wall Street, Leo, and cast, 86? 86%. Okay. Chris? I'm going to go 
I'm gonna go wild here, and I'm gonna go. I'm gonna lowball a little bit and go 78. 78. Okay. That sounds. I good. hope that, that I'm sounds wrong good. Now. No, but that sounds good after you said it. Wolf of Wall Street is rated eighty percent. Whoa. Eighty <laughs> percent. You guys were. I mean, you guys were both in the ballpark, though. Because isn't it like long? I know that was one complaint that it was a long movie. It's a long one, yeah. But what Scorsese is, you know, what you're getting into when you walk in. Um, I think specifically there could be there are probably four or five scenes that could be cut. I think he just like let Jonah Hill run for a little bit, and not that it's not funny and amazing, but yeah, could have cut it. All right, number five. Two more. Two more. Here we go. Number five. After snarky youth, Kevin McAllister. God, Chris. (laughs) (laughs) Give it to him. Give it to him. Is it Home Alone? Two? It's Home Alone 2. Lost in New York. York. We watched that like two weeks ago. The The 1992 movie is Home Alone 2, Lost in New York. Love it. All right. Dude, Daniel Stern and Joe Pesci. Oh, yeah. Classic. They are good. Classic. I haven't seen two in so long since I was a child. And, like, the only thing that really sticks out to me about this movie is him throwing... It's a what is Brick. it? Bricks from up. He says, yeah. "Suck brick." Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and also the pigeon lady, who's oh, yes, yes, the pigeon lady. Yes, yeah. Right. yes, yeah. She's Ooh. she's a good looking yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. What, uh, did, what did old Kev dog get? <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't forget about yeah. this at all. I think I might have overshot here. <laughs> all right, Chris, what do you got? I got eighty-one. 81. That feels generous. All right. Mine feels kind of generous. No. 77? Oh, you guys are both uh, like close to one another. But Home Alone 2, Lost in New York, is 35%. (laughs) (laughs) Ouch. Oh, no man. way. 35%. Oh. Kevin. Oh, my gosh. You know, the audience had it at 62. See, that's what oh. I'm talking about no. right there. I'm not leaving. <laughs> I'm not fucking leaving. <laughs> Sorry, that was a movie ago. <laughs> wow, that's a lot of points right there. All right. Are you still doing the math? Yeah, I'm double checking his math. It's <laughs> <laughs> a good, good idea. Oh, man. I know where I stand. I don't know where you stand. I, I, you know what? <laughs> we got one more left. Number six. There we go. New York City policeman John McClane oh. is visiting his estranged wife. Oh, Chris. No, you can go. It's Die Hard. From 1988, the movie is Die Hard. And he is a New York city police officer so that's the tie there you go <laughs> all right last all right. one a lot of people love this flick i'm locked in baby oh confident whoa locked. all right <laughs> damn all right. they got me all worried <laughs> all right classic movie yeah 
debated all the time if it's a, a Christmas movie or not because it's the Christmas party. Right. right. I think. Right. So there's that. I mean, we, we want to sell that debate. I mean, is it a Christmas movie? I don't think so. I mean, I think it's a movie that takes place it's, at Christmas. It's set, yeah. Like, not like a Christmas movie. Right, right, right. But, I would say if you find a relationship to it during Christmas because it does take place at Christmas and so you watch it at Christmas, it qualifies as a Christmas movie. True. Yeah. It is subjective, obviously. Yeah. 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 But, uh, John McClane, just. Tough sob, tough as nails. <laughs> oh yeah, right. Climbing those vents, oh, glasses in the bare yeah. feet. Yeah. Right. Uh, a fun fact about that movie because I watched like a documentary on it one time. Yeah. So the what's the main actor? The bad guy, uh, um, Alan Rickman. Alan Rickman. Rickman yeah. yeah. Right. So you know the scene where he falls out of the building, the yeah. very last scene, the mm-hmm. like classic scene where he's like reaching up. Yeah. So they got him on the thing and they got him all set. And they're like, all right, are you ready? And he's like, yeah, I'm ready. And so they started the countdown. And instead of being like, okay, here we go. Three, two, one. And it, they hit it. They went, they were like, one. And then, or it was like, one, two, or oh, something, right? And they did yeah, it. And yeah. he was like, oh, shit. And so, <laughs> oh, yeah. Dude, that's so that's like, legit. Legit. yeah. So his reaction is like a legit reaction. Genuine. Yeah, it's a good yeah. reaction. Oh, that's yeah. great. Yeah. Uh, so with all that said, 84. 84. All right. I'm really worried about Chris. He put it like he was very confident yeah, about very that number. Confident. I mean, in the spirit of McLean again, and I'll just—I just want to say this clearly so the listeners here, I'm locked in at one fucking hundred. Wow, one hundred percent. Why not? Let's go. Die Hard from 1988. <laughs> it's gonna be like 38. <laughs> Is rated. 94 percent oh, <laughs> oh my gosh wow minus one wow. all right scores are in oh all right here we go drum roll i got all mine right. I, I double checked your math did you i did or my own all right all right coming in with the number 105 joe mitchell 105 Strong. Thank you. Strong outing. To quite strong. Thank was. You. Thank you. And our guest, our esteemed guest, Chris, Christopher Hurd, actor, writer. <laughs> this guy with the suspense. Birthday, huh? birthday July 16th. <laughs> <laughs> Outside linebacker, receiver, <laughs> best man at my wedding. Cochino. Cochino. And the actor in the upcoming film Hirsch a score of 113 with the loss (laughs) wow that's how you come that's how you tase your guests when they come on (laughs) I didn't make the score I just made it you read the shittier one first man (laughs) jeez well you had the score already you do good game good game (laughs) (laughs) well Ah, that was Rotten Tomatoes. All right. It sure was. Rotten. (laughs) Well, that's going to do it for this episode of Real in the Field. Thank you to Christopher Hurd for being here. This was a blast. Thank you very much. Uh, Go out and see that movie when it comes out. Hirsch, it will be somewhere. We'll link it in the description or we'll give you... um, 
some information on where you can watch it uh, in the upcoming year at some point. But thank you for being here. Uh, uh, go out and see that movie when we post it. And uh, yeah, thank you for so much for being here. This was, uh, this was good. Yeah, it was a blast. Seriously, Chris, thanks for being here. <laughs> thank you guys so time. much for having me. I had an absolute blast. And I love you both. I love thank you. you very much. I love you. Thank this you. is great. Yeah. All right. This is uh, going to do it for this episode. And uh, yeah, we'll catch you next time. Cheers. Cheers.